everybody, and welcome back to the Saltworks Podcast. I'm your host, Hallie Dye. I am so excited that you're here with me today. Um, if you've been here before, then you kind of know the drill, and you kind of know what the Saltworks is about. It's about hearing from people who have stories to share and wisdom to impart and testimonies of God's faithfulness in their lives, despite any doubts, fears, hardships they might have, might have encountered, um, despite being able to to say um, life is hard, they were also able to say that God is good. And some of these episodes, you've known the person well, and hearing their story told in such a way has enriched your understanding of their faith and given you a new perspective, not only that person, but also the potential stories of those in the cubicles near you, or the people in your Bible studies, or even those who reside in houses near yours. And the moving realization of hearing one person's powerful story is that we wake up to the reality that every person has a story and that connects us. And even those, even those who, um, we think we knew well, um, we learn things in their stories that we realize we never knew. And then there are the people that you, you didn't know before that their episode. And you've realized in those places that even though you didn't know them, you related with them because their stories resonated with you. You learned from them and now you want to know them. And and that's the whole purpose of this podcast. It's always been and always will be to glorify the Lord. And the honest truth is we all do that in varying ways right where we are and anywhere the Lord takes us. So hearing these accounts of every different guest from all these different backgrounds um, helps us realize that no matter if a person is unseen in their job or if they hold a prominent position, they are human and they are faithful where they are. And it reminds us that successfulness is is faithfulness. It's, it's not how known or how public something might be. And um, the things that they've overcome to be where they are and the truth that they've had to cling to and the trust they've had to um, cling to to a very real and very good God. And that's why I always love the guest-based episodes, and I always will. But these standalone episodes have purpose too. They aren't fillers until we can hear another guest or simply encouragements or a rest week, although all those things are fine and good too. The purpose of these episodes is to take a story from the Bible. Maybe it's someone we know, maybe it's someone we don't, and take the same things we would from a modern day person's story. Because just like our guest-based episodes together, if we know this person, perhaps we're looking at their story in a new light and we kind of humanize them or bring clarity and connect us through experiences or similar emotions we've shared. If it's a story we don't know or we don't know well, realizing this person in the Bible has something to share and something to teach us, both in their failures and in the good. Imagine if we could actually interview these people. What would they say? What would they share? And what would they tell us um, why they made those decisions or how they felt when they did? What would their goal was? Um, Not only will this make our Bible reading much more full and feel real because it is, it also will connect us in ways we didn't realize we were connected. What we learn in the salt works is that no matter the differences in culture, time, life, age, experiences, we're all human. We're all connected through the same needs, desires, doubts, goals, and failings. 
And this is also true for people in the Bible. Their culture, their time in history, the fact that their names are printed in God's word makes them no less real and no less human. So today we have on the podcast two sisters you may or may not be familiar with, but probably have made assumptions if you've heard their name and story, Mary and Martha. As I go through this episode, I want you to think just like you would if I had them sitting here as guests. What would you want me to ask them? What would you want to ask them if you had the microphone? And what resonates with you about their story or the way they felt? There are often two categories that Christians, especially Christian women, tend to place themselves, Mary's and Martha's. If a woman seems calm, unfrazzled, unbothered, and at peace, she might be then called a Mary because she's either chosen or been given a temperament or spirit that is peaceful and has the ability to rest. If, however, a person does not know when to pause, misses the purpose, focuses on tasks rather than people, or has an overall feeling of striving and never ceasing, she then will be labeled a Mary, a Martha, excuse me. Simple and clear is that. But in classifying these two very real people in these ways, have we made the effort to humanize these women with these ideas? Have we understood them, what they were feeling, what they were trying to do, what they were hoping? Um, Have we labeled one good and one bad? And consequently, have we labeled others or ourselves the same way? This is their story. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. And that's found in Luke 10, verses 38 through 42. Okay, first of all, how does that story make you feel? If you're feeling defensive or uncomfortable in any of those ways, you might be identifying with Martha. And if you've been labeled or have If you've labeled yourself a Martha, this story hurts. And we read about Jesus rebuking Martha. We feel that rebuke and we feel misunderstood. It feels like rejection, doesn't it? As if our very person has been found lacking or is wrong in character. The first thing I want to speak here um, into the story is that Mary is not a personality type and Martha is not a personality type either. What we see here are maybe tendencies, but ultimately two different circumstantial choices. We are all people whose lives constantly teeter in the balance between intentions and actions based on what we choose, despite how we feel. Because we all have moments of missing it, and we all have strengths. If, however, you've never resonated with Martha, you've never felt that defensive nature or any of the uncomfortable feelings, you may have some blind spots that need attending. We all have them. This simply means that they may there might be some areas that aren't rooted in truth or that might need attention that you haven't seen or might be unable to see, hence blind spots. Let someone in your life speak truth to that. If we think we don't have them, then we aren't letting God's word really search our hearts. And we aren't letting people who love us, who are rooted in truth, speak that to us as well. 
Now, what's undeniably true about this story is that Mary makes the right choice here and Martha does not. We know that because Jesus clearly says it, but we tend to oversimplify that by wanting these two women to fit in boxes. And that dehumanizes their perspectives, their motivations, and even how Jesus sees them. Dismantling this belief or how we've pictured that matters because it could be how you think he sees you and your shortcomings. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 say, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. We read scripture and we see the grace and we see the goodness of God and we see his clear direction and the encouragement and his faithfulness and ultimately the redemption, what it's all about. We've written those verses on our hearts. We have written them um, by our kitchen sinks, on our dashboard, in our car. But what about the verses and stories that really convict us, that are honestly kind of offensive or hurtful? And the truth is, we should feel that way sometimes. Because if you're a believer, you're now on the path of sanctification, which is just a big word for becoming more refined and more like Christ daily. And if we don't think we need that refinement, we don't think we need that reproof or correction, even through other believers from the word of God, then we don't think we need a savior because we believe we're enough on our own. Let's look at that in Martha's story. One detail we often forget or maybe didn't even realize is that she was the one that invited Jesus into their home. When Jesus entered the village, it says Martha was the one who welcomed him. This detail is crucial because often we paint Martha as becoming distracted or caring too much about other things, unaware that the Lord of all was sitting in her home. She wasn't unaware, though, because she invited him. We also will see her call him Lord, showing she knows very well who this is, not to mention he is exactly who she'll take her offense to ultimately, because she's recognizing he alone has the authority to rebuke. And that's true. He does. He just doesn't rebuke Mary. There are two possibilities here. Either Martha was distracted by her other work, despite God the Son sitting in her home, or she was distracted by serving because the King of Kings was sitting in her home. Was it despite or was it because? I tend to think it was the latter, but because we don't know for sure, I'll entertain the first. Martha is definitely offended. She's offended by Mary because Mary isn't helping or doing what Martha thinks she ought. When we look at the image of Martha slaving in the kitchen, incensed over this offense by her sister, it is so clear, isn't it? How could any offense, real or perceived, be more important than Jesus being physically present in your home? How could any work be more important in this moment? And yet... The Spirit is just as present in our homes. He is just as physically present with you right now, always is. And I'm willing to bet you too have let an offense, real or perceived, get before Jesus and your attention. I know because I've done it too. How often have we meditated on what someone's done much longer and with much more feeling and passion than we've meditated on who Jesus is or what he's done? Even more than having these moments, some of us have had entire seasons marked by it. And what about viewing other work is more important than sitting in his presence? Well, 
What was first on your list today? What's first on your list every day? Is it all the things on your to-do list or is it spending time with him? Because he is present and he is speaking. I would take this scenario a step further though. And here's where if I could ask, I'd ask Martha, what was the most distracting part to you? What was going through your mind and why was serving such a distraction? Because I think Martha was distracted by serving because she thought her worth was based on what she could do for Jesus more than what he could do. This was a woman who was used to serving. This was not her first time she'd opened her home. Wasn't the first time she'd cooked and prepared for guests. She knew what her best was. She knew what was the crowd-pleasing meal and how to make everyone feel comfortable and all of these things. That was probably what her identity was wrapped up in, if I had to guess. Um, But someone whose identity has been staked on something for their entire lives has a hard time laying that down for Jesus for two reasons. One, if they lay that idol down, what will be left? Who will be left? And two, if I'm known for this and I've been labeled good at this, If I don't have this to show Jesus, I'll have nothing of value to bring him or serve him. See, sometimes we even try to serve Jesus with our idols. And it's important to know the work Martha was doing was good. Hospitality and feeding physical needs is not only good, but it can be holy work. But what makes it holy is Jesus. If we're trying to do good work to be enough for him, we're striving in vain. But if because we have encountered him and because we have set with him, we go out to do good work as an outpouring of what we have received. That's what makes it holy. When we pull away from Jesus to try and build something impressive, we're trying to show him or the world or ourselves that we're finely enough. The truth is we aren't. Sometimes I wonder if Martha had been cooking and Or if she had been doing these things, preparing and hosting and um, all of those things that go along with it with a grateful heart, what Jesus would have said to that. Or if she would have sat at his feet first and then gone on with her preparation. What we all need to hear from Martha is this. Serving is good, but serving is always for Jesus. No matter what we are doing, or where we are, or who we're serving, if we aren't doing it to serve him, we're doing it to serve someone else, and we've made something else our idol. That might be ourselves, security, a certain image, success, um, affirmation from the world. It can even be good things like our families. And without sitting at his feet first, we're going to keep missing him. In surrounding passages, even at the beginning of our story, it uses the address of Jesus, as in Jesus said this, and Jesus did that, and Jesus taught this. But here, in this next part, it says the Lord, reminding us that he does have authority, and he does have the ability to see our hearts. And the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. And I love that because at the beginning of the story, before she's invited him in, he's Jesus. But then once he's in, once he's in um, our presence and once we know him as Lord, it changes, doesn't it? And his address to her is Martha, Martha. And 
put your name there. Hallie, Hallie. This is the address of someone familiar. Someone who knows you inside and out, knows all your antics, knows all your shortcomings, and also knows your heart. It's someone who loves you. Then he says, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. In other words, you're distracted by what's Uh, what you think is most important or what you think is needed from you, but only one thing deserves this much focus and energy. And then he says, Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. The word portion here denotes inheritance, something the Bible talks about often. It, It meant security and hope. Martha wasn't rebuked for serving. She was receiving correction for making her serving her security and hope. When only one person could give her that. And he was in the other room waiting and willing to give her that. He wasn't saying this portion is going to be taken from you. He's saying you're missing the portion. To tell Mary to take her eyes off of Jesus to pick up other work would have been to communicate something else mattered more. When it didn't. Although a good argument to make is that Martha's personality can be more geared towards achieving and goal setting, she is not incapable of seeing truth and resting in the Lord's presence. Her work is not bad, her person is not lacking, and her personality was purposeful. It was God-designed, but her motivation and focus was off the mark. It was not unkind for Jesus to speak this to her, and it certainly wasn't rejection. You know, if our goal is always to be right and never have fault, because it, that makes us feel like enough if we can always be in the right and never fail, then correction will seem like a rejection of our person. But if our goal is to truly grow in righteousness and in faith, and we realize that we need that, we will begin to see correction as great kindness because we we'll, we want to know in ways we can grow. If we truly believe that all scripture is breathed out by God, and useful for correction, reproof, and training in righteousness, and preparation for every good work, then look again at this. The Word who has become flesh is present, breathing, teaching, correcting, and training Martha right there in her room. Not away from good work, but in preparation for every good work. And he wants to speak that into your life too. When we truly realize that our best efforts and our personal righteousness are as filthy rags, we'll stop trying to build empires apart from God out of our own impressive resumes and start sitting at his feet, asking him how we can build his kingdom. And when we ask that, he will show us. As for Mary, notice how her choice made no sense to someone whose eyes were set on the things of this world. It was dumb, selfish, useless when dinner needed to be cooked and cups needed to be filled. When earthly measures such as financial success, prestige, physical fruits of our labor have become the proof of someone's life work, ceasing and abiding make no sense or have no place. They have no value. What can one be building on their knees with nothing to show for it? If you're at a place where that resonates with you, where Mary's perspective connects you and you feel misunderstood or someone has labeled your life's work and choice is not enough. Here's a couple of things, three things actually to remember. One, Mary's choice was not dependent on what Martha thought. How Martha saw her choice had no bearing on how Jesus saw Mary's heart or her faithfulness. Two, Jesus was the one to reveal that to Martha. Mary did not need to be her defender 
Jesus was her defender, and he is yours too. Three, you have chosen the good portion, and it will not be taken from you. The only thing that can be taken from you is your joy and confidence in your choice if you allow someone else's opinion to be louder than Jesus. Now, neither of these women were perfect. Neither were sufficient apart from Christ, and neither always got it right, but both of their perspectives are useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training. Later in the book of John, um, it will talk about Lazarus, who is their brother, and it'll talk about how Jesus loved both of these sisters. And it's because of his love that he responded to them in two different ways, based on their two different needs. I hope that you enjoyed today. I hope that there was something in there that you needed to hear, that the Lord wanted to speak personally to you. I know I will be convicted anew when I listen back to it because it's definitely not something that I have mastered, but that's what it looks like to be in the salt works together. So we all grow in refinement, um, not in perfection, but in preparation for every good work. So I hope you have a great week and I hope to see you again next week as we have another special guest on the salt works and thanks for stopping by. This is your story